Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Charlie. It came to our attention that the first time we aired this episode of Tarot Visions, Podbean cut it off before the end. We apologize for any annoyance that may have caused you, and we are happy to have the whole episode for you to listen to now. Enjoy! You're listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Well, hi there, Rose. How are you doing this week? Good, Charlie. How are you? Fantastic. You've got a lovely golden tan that one gets when one goes to the Pacific Northwest. All of that vitamin D sunlight, right? Actually, this weekend it was actually sunny. It was surprising. Of course, I spent most of it indoors, but, you know, it was lovely. And it was a wonderful time at Northwest Tarot Conference. Excellent. The newts, right? Did everyone say newts? Yes, it was newts, and that actually was one of the things they sold was little marzipan newts, and the money from that went to support newts. It was great. And they were newts all over the place. Right on. Well, that was newts to me. Oh, there he went. He went there. Oh, anyway. You had, to, you had to go there. Who's sitting next to you, Charlie? Oh, well, this evening of, of recording. This <laughs> lovely lady is the mysterious and mystical Benabel Wen, authoress of Holistic Tarot. Say hi, Benabel. Hi, Charlie and Rose. I'm so happy to be here. We're really happy to have you on. Um, uh, I'm being crushed currently by a copy of Holistic Tarot, all 847 pages of tarot goodness, because I refuse to do the ebook thing. Uh But um, really wonderful to have you on. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you came to the cards? How I came to the cards, you know what's funny is you're supposed to have some really cool story all ready to go when you become an author, right? But I don't really have an interesting story. It's kind of boring, you know? I was a weird kid. I went to the public library and liked to gravitate to the occult section, which, of course, was just filled with cardamancy and tarot. Then eventually Mm -hmm. I acquired my own tarot deck, and I just became sucked into it, like everybody else who got into tarot, right? And I just was really a practitioner ever since I was really little, but more kind of dabbling up until college. And then in college, I became a lot more serious with it and started treating tarot um, through a more academic lens. Mm. And what was your first step, just so we know? So it's kind of complicated. The first step I was gifted with that I kind of used was the Tarot Nova but it was, I don't know if you know the Tarot Nova. It's this tiny little sort of tiny, novel. Tiny Barnes & Noble Tarot, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's really, really not that easy to use. So quickly after that, I got the Goddess Tarot. Mm-hmm. But before all of this, when I was nine, I went to a garage sale and bought a like a deck. I didn't know it was a tarot deck at the time. But it was the Tarot de Marseille, or some version of Tarot de Marseille. But it has missing cards. So I don't know if that counts. It's a beginning. <laughs> right. 
It's what you gravitated towards. Can and I then, quickly ask, Charlie and Rose, what were your first decks? Ooh, you can. Turning uh, it on you. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, the Aquarian deck, and my first deck was missing the Ace of Swords. Mm-hmm. So for the first, like, three years of tarot reading, I used the title card as the Ace of Swords. That's awesome. <laughs> so, it was a, a, not an auspicious uh, intellectual beginning, if you think about it in that way. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, technically, my first deck was a Rider-Waite-Smith. Uh-huh. Color, it, color it yourself. It came with... Um, the cassette that Mary Kay Greer was telling you how to use the cards. Oh. And then my, my first actual, hey, I want to read tarot, tarot deck was the Sacred Rose, followed up by the Goddess Tarot, because I got them both about the same time. Oh, the and goddess. they were both gifts. Oh, wow, nice. So we both started on the Goddess Tarot. So, yeah, I would say. <laughs> so you mentioned that <clears throat> after, uh, when you got into college, you took the deck uh, a little more seriously. Is that when the tarot analysis process started to form? Um, Not in a concrete way. I didn't really have a theory for how I was approaching tarot. But then after law school, so in law school you learn about, um, you know, legal reasoning and the whole process of how to uh, write legal papers, right? And so from that I sort of gleaned a lot of the techniques there and applied it to tarot because for me at least I saw a lot of... um, parallels between tarot and other really, you know, dense studies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think tarot is, it's, it's really difficult. It, there's just so much to it, and it's very hard. So I really approached it the same way I would have approached law or philosophy. Excellent. And can you talk a little bit about the tarot analysis approach that you just did? I know with a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, like how, did, how would you... When you have the cards in front of you, how does the tarot analysis system sort of kick in for you? So for me, you know, there's different approaches to tarot, right? So when we talk about intuitive tarot, I think it's a little bit of a misnomer in the sense that when when we say intuitive tarot, we're kind of talking about a more right-brained approach to accessing your intuition, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking more into, um, you know, for example, spatial intelligence, using your imagination, creativity, um, feelings, emotions, impulses, things like that to tap into your intuition. And I see intuition as this part of your unconscious that's not readily available to your conscious mind. And analytic tarot is accessing intuition through your left brain, the left side of your brain. So that's going to be um, a more uh, concretized form of analysis. So you're going to be using um, past set traditions. Mm-hmm. You're going to be using uh, numerology, astrology, color association. So things that are like really traditionally set practices. And then applying that to what's in front of you, the cards, to access information in your intuitive part. So that's that's how I see analytic tarot. Excellent. Now, at what point in 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 your your career as a reader did you think you know I need to write a book? Um, well, in two thousand, my just personal journal notes that I probably had half of holistic tarot. You know, the book, the, the size of it. I probably had half of it in oh, two thousand ten, just from not even trying to write a book. You know, just from having all the notes that I've accrued over the years in my own personal research for no, no other reason but my own my own benefit. Mm-hmm. And then um, I started, I discovered the Tarot Certification Board of America, TCBA. Mm-hmm. I just decided to go for that just because I wanted to get to know um, tarot from um, an outsider's perspective because at that time I was really practicing tarot in a bubble. I wasn't part of any tarot online communities. I wasn't really... Um, networking or socializing with anybody, actually, that was into tarot. So it was all sort of in my head, and I was just 
basically socializing with like Pappas, Uspensky, and <laughs> wow. you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. So, that so sounds really horny. I don't mean to sound snooty. It was just I didn't know anybody, so I was just kind of in me and my books. That was it, you know. So what may, led you to doing the Terra certification? As far as how you found out, oh, this is a, there's certifications. There's these things. How did you go about finding that out? Obviously, you read a lot since uh-huh. you were very familiar with weight and 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 his lot. But what about you know modern people? How did you find out that? Wait a minute, there's more to it. Um, well, then I started going online and just, you know, reading, you know how you first start reading blogs, people's blogs on uh, tarot. Mm-hmm. And then you come across blogs, uh, blog posts on tarot certification, and there's sort of debate going back and forth. And remember, I'm coming in thinking this is a brand new thing, whereas actually <laughs> the debate has been raging for decades, right? But I'm like, oh, this is brand new, <laughs> right? Yes, that's of a good idea. <laughs> Right. So I'm like thinking I've just discovered the wheel, you know, (laughs) but uh, I I discovered the TCV and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I was reading people's debates back and forth. But I was like, I really can't form an opinion unless I've given it a shot. So that's Mm -hmm. why I decided to give it a shot. Excellent. Oh, and sorry to to answer your question. Through that, that was when I decided. um, So through that, I had to uh, mentor or teach tarot, right? That was one of the. I believe I remember that was one of the requirements. That is one of the requirements. Yeah. Right. So then I started teaching tarot, um, mentoring, doing all of that, and then I created a syllabus for teaching tarot, and then you know from that you get the book. So this book is. It's really, a, it's more of a course. It's, fun. it's it's interesting that you mentioned that it kind of came from your teaching, but uh-huh. it really works a lot like, like an, like an actual course on tarot. Um, you, you begin with, you know, some theories about how to enter into the tarot process. You have your cyclopedia of card meanings with everything uh, from... The majors and the minors and the reversals and sort of how you would read those. And then you have charts on the court cards, sort of uh, you have Golden Dawn reading techniques. As a matter of fact, it's, it was interesting. We had just done uh, our episode about shuffling, and I thought, yeah, no one's ever really talked about shuffling. We've really, really touched on something, unco- you know, un- un- uh, unblemished by the tarot. And then I open your book and, oh, there's a, there's a tarot on, there's a chapter on shuffling. Shuffling. So, uh was it always your goal to make it this comprehensive, or did it grow in the writing? It grew in the writing, for sure. You know, you start on a chapter. I mean, I'm sure you two know when you're a writer, you write one thing, and then you, your mind goes off on a tangent, or you think, well, if I cover this, I also have to cover that. And before you know it, it five pages becomes 50. And you've seen from my emails with you guys, I just I write a lot. I'm just, I'm very verbose. So. Right on. <laughs> now, how did you find time? Because, uh you know, this, you weren't up in your in a tower just writing a tarot book. Uh, you you have a you have another you have a double life, don't you? I do have a double life. So, and you... actually, I had a triple life. At the time, I was a full time lawyer. I was also um, I had launched a handbag business. So I was also a fashion designer at the time, and uh, also I was a managing editor of a literary journal. And then I kind of set those aside or let them sort of whittle into the background so that I had more time to write this book. Mm. And was, did you have any sort of technique for making sure that you got the writing done for that day with all of those other? Um, so the funny thing is I worked on, um, I've tried my hand at writing novels before, right? And I always feel like with novels, for example, I've never finished one because I have to work so hard at just disciplining myself or telling myself I need to set aside time for writing. 
But with this book, it just really, I, I couldn't wait to write. I had to write it. I, I felt really pulled to write it. And so there were a lot of all-nighters just writing this book. Um, for Throughout every single holiday, every single one of my vacations, I didn't want to go anywhere. I just wrote, you know, all-nighters. Like I said, it was just coffee, tea, and me in front of the laptop typing away. Wow. <laughs> that's That's a high degree of discipline uh, for any tarot reader <laughs> based on the one passion. that including high degree of passion passion oh there, yeah. you, there you go um what was interesting to me so um i kind of when I, the first chapter in i'm thinking okay there's it's it's going to be about sort of analyzing the card and sort of taking things in it and i made the mistake of thinking that was going to be just free association and um, on the part of the reader. And then I see that you, ha- you have written about uh, some of the great uh, technique, the traditional techniques of some of the, like the, the Order of the Golden Dawn and other very prominent uh, high-minded occultists of, of days gone by that no one has really said much about since the 1980s. How did, um, how did all of that make its way? into your book because they're, they're amazing techniques. And I just realized I, I knew of them. I had just never done, uh, and for example, the, like the, the, uh, the, the beginning operation, the opening operation, first operation, first operation, that's the one. Uh-huh. See, clearly I didn't even know it. The first operation and some of their other, um, very procedural and particular methods of performing readings. Well, first, to be fair, I do think there were a lot of people who wrote about it, like Paul Houston. I was really into his books, and he talks a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- Didn't Marcus Katz also talk? Yeah. Isn't there anything? I believe there's writings associated with Marcus Katz, too, mm-hmm. on the opening of the key. But, I mean, a lot of people have sort of, you know, touched upon it before. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, you know, a lot of it, you had to sort of be at a particular um, level of proficiency, not just in terms of tarot, I mean, in terms of reading occult texts, mm-hmm. you know, if you aren't at that level of proficiency, it was really hard to read. I couldn't make heads or tails of book T the first hundred times I read that book, you know? Wow. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what this is. I give up. So I wanted to um, present those, uh, those techniques mm-hmm. and write it in a way that the normal everyday person would be able to comprehend so you wouldn't have to have this intense background in occult studies to be able to grasp it excellent yeah there's there's quite a lot of different systems you've got um the cabalistic systems celtic system like eastern symbolism so it's it's very comprehensive was that always the goal or it just kept everything's just kept squeezing their way in it wouldn't well, for the, the Eastern heritage part, I, I don't think it would be authentic to me if mm-hmm. I didn't incorporate parts of my cultural heritage. I mean, that's the lens I see everything through, right? As an Asian American, I'm going to see things through that lens. I also grew up in Asian mysticism and Eastern fortune telling, Eastern uh, metaphysical practices. So when I approach Western um, occult practices, the first thing, even sort of subconsciously, the first thing you do impulsively is compare it to what you know, right? Mm -hmm. So when I um, read upon um, Western occult principles, I will compare it to what I know in the Eastern metaphysical realms. And a lot of it sort of correspond and overlap. So I found that to be really intriguing and wanted to touch on that in the book. And I I noticed... Uh, a little while back, you had a, a blog post sort of on this topic about why aren't there more 
Asian tarot readers. <laughs> yeah. There. And I wondered, I know you met some of them because of that blog post, but what, what were your findings on that? Cause I don't know. It's, it's a topic I was, I was nervous about asking about cause I'm like a pasty white dude. And I don't know if I can ask that question. <laughs> well, and, and to you can ask. Go ahead, Anna. And to be honest, uh, we do know that James Wanless, who uh, does the Voyager, goes to Asia quite often, uh, yearly, to do work there. So that was interesting to find out that you noticed that there weren't a lot of uh, texts in English specifically that have that. So I will let you answer the question. I think um, what I meant was Asian American. Mm-hmm. So at the time I was looking, because I'm looking at American, like English texts, right? I'm, I'm looking for information that's written in English. So that was my first mistake, right? And so when I did that, yeah, there weren't a lot of Asian American tarot readers, but tarot itself is rising in popularity in Taiwan and China. And Hong Kong has a thriving, you know, network of tarot professionals. So I was wrong about that. I was really looking for things in English by Asians, which was kind of a stupid thing to do, right? Oh, I don't know. I, when, when, I don't think that's stupid at all. I don't all. think it's stupid at all. And it's funny, when I, when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know of any <laughs> Asian, no, and, no Asian and American I, tarot uh, people. I know I had known, like Rose mentioned, the, uh, you know, prominent tarot teachers were going to China to do teaching. Yeah. And I, my very favorite manga series, Tarot Cafe, you know, points yeah, to true. that there being an interest at least in Korea for tarot reading. But I just, I didn't know a lot of American. And, and, and to be honest, we do have a lot, we do get a lot of manga tarot uh, decks out here. Yeah. yeah. So right on. So good, good, good for you spearheading that. I, um, do you think that that will, will, will change the more tarot, uh, I don't know. I, I noticed there were, in the blog post there was some resistance. People felt like a lot of Asian folks have already their fortune telling systems or divination systems that are a part of their culture that they don't really need to go outside of that in America. Yeah, I mean, I think there is that resistance. Like they have this sort of long established tradition in other divination systems, like you said, mm-hmm. and so. A lot, they they grew up on those traditions, mm-hmm. and then usually they're not going to come across tarot until a little bit later on in their lives. And at that time, it's like, why should I learn something new? So I think there is a resistance in that sense. But I mean, I can't even say that for sure, because this is all anecdotal evidence. So I can only say based on my very limited scope of, you know, <laughs> the world. So I'm pretty sure it might be different someplace else. Excellent. So I am looking at your website, and I keep going, oh, my God, there's all these study guides. This is so awesome. <laughs> when when are we going to get or have you thought about doing the uh, holistic tarot or uh, analytical uh, tarot uh, certification um, in your particular method? Do you want her get her killed? <laughs> Okay, no, so never, I just thought well, it would be cool. <laughs> never say stuff. never, but so I don't want to say never, but right now that's not, that's just not something I would think about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just don't see I don't see any value in having a certification in doing something my way. <laughs> you know, if it works for you, take bits and pieces from my book that work for you and form your own approach. But I really hesitate to sort of indoctrinate my approach and have a certification for that. So I, I would never say never, but right now it's really not in my horizon. Got it, got it. So then I will ask it. What, what made you decide to go with the traditional publishing versus uh, 
you know, self-publishing, because again, you do have an 800 page book here. Um, and then you've got all this supplemental handouts that people can download from your website. Thank you very much, by the way. Uh Um, how did you make the decision that, no, really, I do want to go with traditional publishing? It was a really weird mix. So when I finished the book, I wasn't, I, you know, everyone wants to go the traditional route, but then a part of me was also not sure. Maybe I should self-publish, right? Mm-hmm. So I sent, I didn't send out that many um, submission query, queries, maybe four or five. And one of them was North Atlantic Books because it was just down the street. North Atlantic Books is on MLK over in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and I was like, oh, I don't even have to pay postage. I can swing by and drop off my manuscript at their, on their front doorstep, which is exactly what I did, actually. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I swung by, and it was really hard to find. You know, they don't have this, like, huge sign-out or anything, so it's kind of difficult to find. I find it. Um, you can't even just walk in. There's a doorbell. So I rang the doorbell. Somebody answered it. I go, here. I handed him, like, this huge package because, you know, I printed out all 900 pages, <laughs> handed it to him, and just ran off. <laughs> Because I'm not, you know, I didn't know what to say. Do I make a conversation? Do I talk? Like, what do I do? So I was like, here, bye, and I ran. I ran. That was it. Okay. <laughs> so, so they they didn't have a submission process. They didn't. <laughs> they did have a submission process. I was just an idiot. Oh, well. <laughs> no, you were a fool. It's terrible. I was a fool. It's terrible. Yes, you were. I like the chasm of publishing. Was the school starting my journey right? And then so you know how in publishing it it takes them a while to get back to you. So yes, you know fast forward three months later, I haven't heard from anyone, and this this huge massive thing is just sitting on my computer. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just self-publish. So I began the process of formatting it into something that you know could be self-published on Amazon Mm -hmm. or something. And um, I was almost done formatting it. In fact, I think I was really close to finishing it. That was when I got the call from North Atlantic Books that they had accepted my manuscript. Oh, well. So I was one step away from self-publishing because I hadn't heard from anybody. And then they accepted it. And so I went that route. So what was your experience working with a publisher once, once they'd accepted your manuscript? Um, I think with self-public, so with tarot, anyone who's into tarot, it comes with certain predispositions in terms of our personalities. We tend to be people who don't like to be told what to do. We tend to like to have a lot of control over our own creative projects, right? So self-publishing actually makes a lot of sense for people in tarot. And I learned that very quickly. You know, you have to learn how to be very cooperative. You have to learn to listen to other people. You know, they're in this industry. They know marketing. They know PR. They know what's going to sell and what doesn't sell. They know things like what SEO means, right? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh, I want this, right? So, you know, learning to let go of certain ideas because, you know, you might not know as well as other people was really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. But it was an interesting process, and in the end, I'm really, really happy with the result. So I'm really glad I went this way. It's wonderful because it, um, okay, your book is out there. It's real. You can touch it. It's got Mm -hmm. your name on it. What's that like? It's really, it's surreal. You know, a lot of times I'm just like, because when I I first got the book and I was holding it in my hands, I just, I was really like, who who wrote this? You know, (laughs) like, it's so amazing. So... Uh, it's very hard. I mean, right now I get it. You know, it's been it's been out there for a while. I've had a chance to sort of marinate on the idea of being a published writer intellectually. But for a long time, it was just, wow, this is so cool. It was kind of an out-of-body experience. Excellent. And so with the fact that you're doing this, you've got this book in your hand, how do you share that with people that, you know, encouraged you along the way? Um... 
Well, having written it, it was really fast. So I think my a lot of my family members didn't even know I was reading tarot cards mm-hmm. before the book was、um, published. So after I got the publication acceptance, I was telling my mom about it. I was like, "Mom, I'm I'm going to be a published writer." She's like, "Really? Did you finally finish your novel?" <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, no, no, it's a book on tarot. And then I realized I had to sort of backpedal and first explain what tarot was and. You know, so a lot of people in my real life didn't know even that I was that passionate about tarot. So weirdly, it was this thing that had been in the closet the whole time, but I didn't even realize to a certain extent it was in the closet because I was so focused on this study. So basically, this was your coming out story, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Out of the tarot closet into the real world. Oh, for sure, for sure. Excellent. So I heard that one of your one of the ways you kind of helped yourself or studied. Tarot and prepared yourself. This book was、um, reading, you know, a lot of different scenarios. And can you talk a little bit about what that sort of like the method acting method of of of? No, hang on, I'm gonna read. Re- oh, I think I know what you're like the case studies you need. Like、mm-hmm. so, before, you mentioned、uh, when I, I saw you at the book signing that you read professionally in a lot of、uh, in in different、yeah. ways in order to.、Uh, Prepare yourself for this. Yeah, well, I discovered there's this vibrant, you know, this whole in this whole profession. You know, people were were、uh, doing psychic fairs and doing all day events,、um, reading online, reading in person, reading through Skype. So there's all this, all these different methods, and I wanted a book that somebody who wanted to become a tarot professional could appreciate. So. In order for me to do that with any sincerity, I had to, to a certain extent, become a tarot professional. Whether or not I am a professional tarot reader, I still don't know how to define that. You know what I mean? Because I don't do it full time.、Mm-hmm. But I worked really hard at trying to make sure I experienced all the different things that a tarot professional would conceivably experience, so that I could write about how you would read cards when they come up in particular situations.、Mm-hmm. Just so you know. A qualified person who's a tarot professional is someone who gets paid to read tarot. <laughs> You've been paid. You are officially a professional. Woohoo! Welcome <laughs> to the club. <laughs> did, did you have any interesting, wacky happenings that happened when you were reading professionally in all these different situations? Oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> As you would know, when you read when you're reading in these situations, there's so many interesting things.、Mm-hmm. I think the most interesting would. Probably be reading for people from different parts of the world,、um, from, for example, from cultures that the only understanding I have of that culture is through American media.、Mm-hmm. You know, and so for example, you're going to think they're all,、uh, you know, very conservative and have no lives. They're very, very, you know, prudent things like that. And then you hear their stories and the questions they want you to read about, and you're like, oh my gosh, you have the same. You know, sexual issues we have.、Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. You know what I mean?、Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. Just getting to know different cultures and realizing that it doesn't really matter where you're from or what socioeconomic class you are coming to a reader with. You basically are asking the same questions, and even with the career questions, it's still at the end of the day, it's all about love, wanting to be loved, looking for love, looking for acceptance. It's all about love and relationships at the end. So basically, all you need is love, is what you're telling us. All you need is love, Rose. All you need is love. Come on. Da 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 da. So you got this this、uh, the, the, this book out.、Um, 
and it does some things with tarot in, in a new way, in a, in a, with some, uh, a fresh way. And I was wondering, I was listening to a lovely podcast, uh, hosted by some friends of ours called Oracle Soup. Mm. On it, they asked Mary Greer, what is, what is her vision for the future of tarot? And she said that she would not know that she would have no way of knowing what the future of tarot was because she was now the old guard and the future of tarot would come out of the next generation and that best she could hope to sort of recognize it when it's happening, but it wouldn't come from her. And that made me think a lot about um, an article you uh, wrote on Buzzfeed about sort <laughs> uh-huh. of new generation of uh, tarot readers. And so I guess I, I want to pose to you the question that Mary Greer felt she couldn't answer. What is your vision of the future of tarot? Well, I hope tarot always retains the dignity of having multiple approaches. Mm -hmm. I I think that will always happen. For example, when you see more of the older systems of divination, Mm -hmm. like I Ching, you know, I Ching, there's so many different ways of approaching bibliomancy. It's not just one way. There's you you talk to six different I Ching practitioners. They have six different ways of approaching this book. And we haven't even gotten to the interpretation part, just in terms of doing the actual divination. Right. And their philosophies and their views on eaching. So tarot will always have that. There's always going to be that difference in opinion and difference in approaches and styles. But I think in order for tarot to be of as much benefit as possible, you know, it does, there is a level of normalization that goes on. So I see it kind of like yoga. You know, for a while, yoga was really tied in with particular religious practices. But then, People are now seeing that yoga has benefits beyond religious faith. It can be used for health and fitness. And so people, no matter what their religious background is, are going to go to yoga for health and fitness. And I hope people can see that that benefit in tarot as well. And it's going to um, draw in people who might not be that interested in the occult, but will use this as a stepping stone to learn more about spirituality and learn more about themselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I do see it as something that you're going to, I hope that tarot professionals will be seen as, a, will be a revered profession and that it's not going to be unheard of for a tarot professional to charge hundreds of dollars for their services because people will realize how sophisticated the practice and the art of tarot actually is. I really hope that's the future of the practice. Excellent. I think we all hope that too. It sounds like a, a good Focus for the future. I, I could use a couple hundred dollars, to tell you. <laughs> yeah, and I think we've all been trying to do that over the last few decades, but mm-hmm. I hope by this normalization process, you do get that. When people see that, you know, it's, it's not something that's shrouded in mystery, but it is a form of high art, then you're going to get a lot of the people who are willing to um, pay a premium for that high art, mm-hmm. which they should. Tarot is a high form of art. Absolutely. And so, you know, the, the article is published, and of course, because tarot readers on the internet mm-hmm. are very calm-minded, thoughtful people, uh, it was immediately <laughs> embraced without any sort of consternation, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. It didn't uh, spark any controversy whatsoever. No. Not at all. <laughs> not, not even a little one. <laughs> well, I think some people um, took offense with my style of writing. I I come from a style of writing where I do tend to write maybe more assertively. Mm-hmm. And so without having context, without getting to speak with me, without 
having read my writings in the past, I totally see how it could be construed as me trying to trying to force one particular method on people. So I, I understand that and I'm sensitive to that. So I mean, I think you're being very fair. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I did. I, I enjoyed the article personally, and um, I think I guess the big if people haven't read it, it's called New Faces of Tarot. There we go, and it's on BuzzFeed. Um, I think the, the the issue that riled a few folks up um, was that some people who read it thought that your point of view was that fortune-telling was bad and that we should... Modern tarot readers don't do fortune-telling, which was not your point at all. And I personally... No, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, no, I, I personally... You know, I do use tarot predictively or which people would think, of, you know, or like as, as fortune-telling, but I didn't have that problem, but... Uh-huh. I I can see why some people that just couldn't couldn't go there or or couldn't open up. Uh, no, I can't see why they did that. I think they should, should just be a little bit more open-minded. There, I said it. Well, I think for me, what I was trying, I mean, in trying to dispel one stereotype, I can see how people saw me as um, creating a new stereotype. Mm-hmm. But you know, bef- I mean, what's funny is I don't know why people in the community didn't get riled up over another article on BuzzFeed, which was talking very negatively about tarot and how tarot people um, were peddling a form of uh, misrepresentation and fraud. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anybody right. get pissed off about that article. <laughs> you know, like, what the heck? So oh. you're mad about my article, but it's okay to call tarot fraud. I get it. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that that was that leads into my next question: is what is your? How do you deal with people who are skeptics when they say, you know, tarot is just a load of hooey, if you will? Get a tarot reading. Well, I, I'm I mean, serious. I think that your your approach. Um, so if you're if you're like me and you do predictions, you have to buy into at some level some cosmic force is going on that aligns with the cards and future events. But with the, when your book, Holistic Tarot, the process you're detailing, you, you can do it without the woo, right? I mean, your, your process of analyzing the cards and reflecting upon them and, and through the lens of certain systems seems to lend itself to being able to read cards without, without the need for the spirits or, or something else. I think we get into vocabulary. Oh, yeah. So when when you use terms like the collective unconscious, that doesn't necessarily rub people the wrong way mm-hmm. in terms of, oh, that's not woo-woo. I mean, I guess it is new agey, but people can sort of um, accept it a little bit more readily. Mm-hmm. When you start talking about deity, then people start, oh, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about there, right? So, But if you have a more pantheist view of spirituality, which is where I come from. You know, I do have this view that we're all connected in some way. And there is this sort of organism that is all of us. And that is this spiritual dimension, the metaphysical component to the physical world. That's all connected. And that connection is through the collective unconscious. Well, then when you're talking about tapping into the collective unconscious, you're essentially talking about tapping into spirit. So it depends on what kind of, um, faith framework you're seeing it through. I use certain terms that aren't going to be faith-based and more secular terms so that everybody can be part of the conversation. Excellent. And um, if it's at all encouraging, I, I would just say that um, I think when Mary Greer and Rachel Pollack wrote their books about tarot and with their new ideas for tarot in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, the tarot community at that time 
was pretty critical of them from from the stories they tell. So oh, wow. that's, if that's any cons- consolation, they uh, <laughs> apparently um, when really good big ideas in tarot come along, uh, this is one of the natural processes is this sort of kerfluffle and consternation. But um, I, I just hope that tarot is big enough for all kinds of different approaches. So the traditional and the new and hybrids. Yeah, I hope so too. And I really, I just sincerely hope that I'm not construed as trying to dominate or push out anything. I'm, in fact, when I started, I thought I was um, presenting a new school approach. That was my perspective when I was writing the book. You know, not that it's something new. I don't think it's new. Psychological tarot or psychological based tarot has been around for a long time. Started a little bit with Robert Wang. Art Rosengarten has been into it. You know, a lot of people have been writing about that in much better and in a much more qualified way. But I was trying to present it through, again, left brain analysis. Cool. And I think that you did a very good job in getting that up across, I think. And that's possibly why everybody is throwing a fit about it. <laughs> well, thank you for your support, Rose. So, Benabelle, uh, do you have any events coming up? Or how can people who are uh, new fans or want to know more about you uh, find out more? Um, you can email me. You know, I've been having really cool conversations with people about tarot. So that's been actually the coolest part about writing a book and putting it out there. Okay. is that I get to meet people who are also passionate about tarot. So go ahead and email me. Annabelle Wen, one word, at live.com. Well, okay, thank you so much. Uh, it's been lovely having you on, and hopefully we'll see you soon at a Bay Area tarot event near you. Or you two can come over for lunch. I'll cook for you two. Ooh. Ooh. You're yeah. You want to cook for us. I cook. Did you know that? I cook. I did not know, and I don't. <laughs> so this is a match made in heaven. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Benabelle. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, please find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at Tarot underscore Visions. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.